Welcome, everybody. You are listening or watching to the Patty G Show. I have Samantha Robin on tonight, and we're going to talk a lot about, not really sure. We're going to kind of see where it goes. We'll get a little backstory, a little history about where you came from, how you got into what you're doing, and then we'll roll with it from there. So, Samantha, I'll let you give a little brief introduction for those that may not know who you are, kind of your backstory. That sounds good. Um, my name is Samantha Rauber, and I am a licensed professional counselor here in Baton Rouge. Um, I have a private practice, and I specialize in perinatal mental health, which is um, the developmental milestone of pregnancy, postpartum, family planning years um, into that shift of identities as parents. So very, very specific. Um, niche is my specialty and um, I have a master's degree and I'm actually going to be starting a doctorate in the fall uh, to complete some research in, in the field that I'm currently practicing in. Okay. Okay. So what, what kind of made you want to get into that specific field? Yeah. I guess was, was there a field before this? Um, there, there was a general field before this specialty, okay. but um, I guess I could go back to just in college and, you know, deciding your major. Um, I, I was a psychology major in undergrad many, many years ago. Um, I've always thought human behavior is, is pretty fascinating. Um, it, it took a profound interest to, um, to study psychology and, and human behavior and a plethora of diagnoses. And it wasn't until probably um, a year or two after, after college graduation and, and survived some real world experience of, of adulthood that I figured, you know what, I might, I might be able to do something with this undergrad major, right? Sometimes we don't always figure it out from the get go, but it took so a master's true. degree to actually do anything in the field of psychology. Um, so I went back to school. I finished my master's at LSU uh, down the street, which was at the time a two-year program. It has since become a three-year program. Um, and then once you graduate, uh, you basically are licensed under a provisional license. So you have to have supervised clinical hours for a few years um, before being able to fully practice on your own um, independently by our LPC board. So I did that for a while at an outpatient clinic um, and I ran a, a general practice um, in a medication management office. Um, so people were coming in for your typical psychotropic medication, depression, anxiety, OCD, which is far more common than people talk about. Um, and then I was one of the, the first therapists who who operated psychotherapy in that office. And so myself and a colleague had built the psychotherapy program at this office, and I just started to really gain some good experience there. Um, I started to pick up on a need in our community um, and a lack of resources. And, and there have been a couple of people in private practice um, who had also specialty um, had had a little bit more specialty training in, in this field exactly, but um, we are just very limited in services for maternal mental health. So um, I ended up during my supervised hours gathering a whole lot more training, education, and certifications on being able to call myself a specialist in, in 
treat, diagnose, and, and treatment plan um, for for families, starting their families when it just certainly hadn't gone the way that they ever expected it to. So that's primarily my, my practice now. I work with many, many families in, in their family development and um, treat a variety of diagnoses um, from postpartum depression, prenatal anxiety, postpartum bipolar, psychosis, OCD, PTSD. What we now know is that um, it's not just postpartum depression, but it's all of these other things and these horrible things that, that men and women can both experience in, in the postpartum and, and perinatal years. So that's what I do in the nutshell. And, and I love it a whole lot. It's very purposeful for me. Absolutely. That is, that's one of those things that is not front of mind for everybody, you know, initially whenever they think about, oh, what, what can I do to get help or do I even need help? It's not until you actually live through it that you're like, okay, yeah. maybe I need yeah. to chat with some other people who just don't do the same thing as me. Yes. Yes, definitely. You know, I think if anybody's asking themselves, um, is it bad enough, right? Like, yeah. is when is the right time to reach out for help? We're probably already there. You know, we're probably yeah. already there. Um, and unfortunately, with the stigma of, of mental health, it creates a huge barrier for people to reach out for help when people like you and I and every other human out there um, is not immune to uh, struggling sometimes. I tell everybody who sits on my couch, you know, it was an abnormal set of events that brought you to my space. This is a normal reaction for whatever it was, whatever you had to endure during that time. And it made life just a little bit more difficult. And, and I truly believe in the power of like that human connection, right? And, and being one human to another and that ability to hold space can be so healing. Um, because Absolutely. people come, come to me for pity. They come for me to tolerate things that um, they've experienced in their life so that they learn to tolerate the distress that they go through. And so we kind of go on a journey together and that's truly what about what my therapy is about. And we all have different philosophies and, and different approaches to any issues, but um, it's, it's really just a time to, to have some space for your thoughts and your feelings and, and who wouldn't want that, right? Yeah. Funky things sometimes. That I know, at least for me, is definitely a situation. Yeah. You said these random thoughts and this weird stuff happens, you know? Right. But it's, I love what you said in the sense that people don't talk about mental health as much as mm -hmm. we do physical health, mm -hmm. you know, because it's not necessarily something that other people can see tangibly. Mm -hmm. And so maybe that's why the conversation doesn't spark up all the time. You know, if I show up with a cast on my arm, you know I'm hurting. You know something's right. happening. Right. But for something that's happening on the inside, maybe an internal battle we're going through, or something that just is bothering us, not everybody can see that because we've gotten to the point where we can hide it pretty well for the most part. At least a majority of people can. Yes. And I'm right there with you. That conversation needs to happen. It needs to be greater than it is. Yeah. You know, you're, you're speaking to something that makes a really good point. You know, oftentimes with, with mental health conditions, they are unseen. They're not as obvious. Um, it, it sometimes takes a while to figure out for an observer 
um, of that person when in actuality, mental health is, is extremely important. It's your internal dialogue and, and how you talk to yourself matters. And, and you know, in so many ways, um, so many people who are successful in their lives probably have some underlying anxiety that, you know, helps them get successful. And so, you know, when, when we talk about mental health, you know, mental illness isn't always a bad thing, you know, in, in certain ways it can create a, a great deal of suffering if, if we can't figure out how to manage it. But then on the other hand, um, a little anxiety can, can go a long way and, and really kind of push people to fulfilling their potential. But if it's, if it's severe, um, it can certainly stand in the way from, from that person um, reaching their, their own potential in life. And so it's really, really important to make space for one another as humans because you just never know what's going on behind closed doors and in some ways inside somebody's mind, body, and spirit. It's not as obvious, like you said, as, as a broken arm. And it's certainly still a little taboo to talk about out loud, which is why education and advocacy can go Exactly. And that's, I want to kind of go back to what you said about people with anxiety. You know, you said that sometimes even the most successful have a little bit of anxiety. Do you, what, why do you think that's, that's the case? Well, you know, the research shows that um, many highly successful people um, have some form of anxiety, some form of internal um, distress that will kind of push them in a direction of doing better and getting better and, and taking risks, right, and, and developing um, strategies. And so, you know, the brain is very, very powerful. We can, we can get caught on some hamster wheels, right? And so, yeah. yes. and so we keep running and we keep pushing. And, and we sometimes can get to a, la a level of sustainability, but not always, you know, which is why it's important to kind of know yourself, know how your brain thinks, come to therapy to process that with somebody else who has to keep it HIPAA compliant and private. So it's really like a vault of, of getting to talk about whatever. And, and with the aid of a therapist, being able to kind of point some patterns out, self-awareness is so key in the management of, of anything like anxiety, um, depression, OCD, you name it. Um, you know, it's, it's a part of us. It's evolutionarily, our brains have um, picked up some, some strategies to, to survive and to push ourselves harder. And so, um, you know, mental health, as much as it's a taboo, should not be because it's, it's part of everyday life. And, and certainly during a time right now in a pandemic. Yeah, and that's so true that having our routines just all of a sudden uprooted and drastically changed for a majority of the people, I'm sure a lot of people are going stir crazy, you know, yeah. and they're just, they have no idea how to deal with it. They have no idea what to do. A lot of, a lot of spouses are spending a lot more time together than they ever predicted they would. And it's just, it's a big change. It's a significant change. It is a significant change and it comes with a whole lot of grief. 
Um, that's something that we as mental health professionals are educating our clients on that the way that we're feeling as distressing as it can be with the tension that's rising in our homes and the stir craziness that's, that's happening, you know, behind closed doors and, and all of these normal responses to such a significant shift in our lives. It's a grieving process. Some days it's going to feel better than others, but grief is a process. It's it's nothing that we can kind of flip the light switch on and oftentimes requires connection to move through. And so, you know, for the majority of our private practitioners here in Baton Rouge, um, we have teletherapy services available to assist people who are having a rough time, which which I think is most people when when they actually start to open up and talk about it. Right. That's nobody wants to jump to the front and say, "Hey, I'm having a tough time with this quarantine." Yeah. You no. Know? But at the same time, we all are. I mean, we're all having to deal with it, and that's I've mm-hmm. had lots of conversations with, with people about more more in regards to the economy and bouncing back. But mm-hmm. when you think back to the, one of the more recent. Tragic events that happened to us locally was Katrina, right? Mm -hmm. You know, a lot of people were affected. We had a lot of lives uprooted and shifted out. Mm -hmm. But for us, it was isolated Mm -hmm. and it was just on the local scale. Whereas with this coronavirus, it's on a global scale. Mm -hmm. You know, what we're dealing with people in Italy, people in Spain, you know, people in China, people all across the world are dealing with the same thing Mm -hmm. we are. And so it's kind of that sense of community like, hey guys, we're all in this together. You're not alone in how you're feeling. You're not alone in going through this. So reach out and talk to us, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, if if it if there was ever a time, right? Like we get a free pass right now. Like this is right. our permission. You are united with the globe at this point, you know, to be supported and ask for help if if we need it. And like I said, when we first started this podcast, if you're asking yourself, when would it be a good time? You're probably already there. You're probably already there and needing a little bit of extra support. You know, you brought up Katrina, which was traumatic in its own national disaster type of way, right? Like this, this massive hurricane that really turned Louisiana upside down. And a lot of Katrina survivors, right, are experiencing this pandemic right now. And we know with trauma and surviving trauma, like many of our Louisiana residents did back then, the body remembers what it meant to feel scared. The body remembers what it meant to have life kind of flipped upside down. And so what we're seeing right now is some of that trauma kind of getting re-triggered and reignited and even more of a reason to seek mental health support because you don't have to survive this alone, you know, and you shouldn't have had to back then and you definitely don't have to now. That if there's stuff that's coming up for you, now is the time, you know, to, to seek help, even if it's just in the form of crying with somebody else who's listening can be a huge release of all of that pent up pressure and trauma from Katrina and, and, yeah. and somebody to kind of make space for that continued recovery sense. Yeah. And so what, what are some of the things that you're seeing and that you're kind of saying, Hey, this is a step that we can take to get through this time. Mm-hmm. So what am I kind of seeing? Um, well, you know, for, for many of us, mental health providers, um, professional providers, you know, within the state of Louisiana, 
Um, and certainly something put out by the governor is, is a 1-800 line that's vetted by mental health professionals that's available 24 seven um, right now. And I can, I can leave that number um, that we can post when we're done. Um, but most of us have made a significant shift into teletherapy at this point. So we can continue providing support and reach more people that way. Um, but this certainly is a change in the right direction. And by staying open and flexible to, to meeting people where they're at, whether it's in their bedroom, on their couch. I've met so many pets and children over the <laughs> But just readily making it more accessible, which it was an adjustment for all of us in the beginning and continues to be, but we're figuring it out. And so, you know, what, what I tell people to kind of look out for in, in their own stress and their, in their own adjustment, if the small things are, are really, you know, creating a heavier reaction than, than typical, you know, like if pre-pandemic, um, the way your husband uh, loaded the dishwasher um, didn't bother you as much as it does, right? Your, your body, brain, and spirit is probably trying to hold on to whatever sense of control that, that it has to make sense out of the great unknown right now. And so like, Small things, big reactions. A lot of anger right now, a lot of anger. So if, if you're feeling rage, if you're feeling irritability, um, depression, anxiety, stress can all be manifested as, as those things, right? And, and especially if you're not typically an angry person, um, for many of us, anger is way easier to exhibit than saying I'm sad or I'm scared. And so anger, another big reaction to something that, that might not typically set you off. And, and certainly if, if you already had some underlying depression, anxiety, adjustment, you, you name it, then you are gonna be more at risk for developing problems during a pandemic anyway, given the crisis. And so people who do and don't have pre-existing mental health conditions right now, everybody's at risk given the, the shifts that we've all taken um, in this crisis and, and the losses that have come along with that. Right. So what what are some kind of, I guess, tangible steps that people can do to kind of you know, boost their mental health during these times? I mean, we're all cooped up indoors a lot. Right. You know, what are some type of like tangible, hey, do this with the kids, do this with the husband, yeah. you know, do this with the wife, that kind of can give a little boost that some oh. of us might need? A little boost goes a long way. And some of the things that I'm going to talk about are probably like, duh, but we also just don't do them. And so what the research shows is that our self-care and how we take care of ourselves as humans really drastically decreases during times of stress. I mean, that's obvious, right? Like, we feel like we don't have time. We, we can't make things happen. You know, we we're just overwhelmed, right? That, that it's hard to even take care of ourselves, let alone our families. And so parents, if you're listening, you know, the first person that you, that you can take care of is yourself, right? And, and, and how we get through this may be getting back to the basics, eating, sleeping, right? Eating, sleeping, and exercise, okay? So if, if we're trying to solve the world's problems yet had no sleep the night before, it's not going to work. When the brain doesn't get what it needs in its form of nutrition, as in exercise, sleep, and food, 
then it's going to be very, very difficult to make these days survivable. So, you know, I know it's hard to stay disciplined right now, given the changes that have happened, but going to bed at a good time can really change the morale of the house. And instill keeping your kids on some kind of a routine at night goes a long way. Kids more than anybody need longer amounts of sleep. And if you can, in any way possible, try to keep your kids um, in bed at a decent, decent hour to where they're getting a full night's sleep, which is going to ease up on, on their behavior the next day, if their little brains can get the adjustment that, the, that they need, then, then it's going to be a little bit easier for the parents to manage as well. But the basics, food, shelter, water, sleep, you know, Maslow's hierarchy of needs, that's at the bottom. You can't go to the top until you successfully mastered all of these steps in between. And those things are very, very often forgotten and pushed aside during times of high stress. And so, you know, moving past that a little bit, um, every family has to figure out what works for their family. But what we do know for sure, and the research shows this, is that having some kind of flexible routine in the home can really help with our own mental health as parents, but also children's mental health. If there is some kind of schedule, some kind of flexible, this is what we do at this time, this is what we do at this time, then kids really adapt well to a major life adjustment. If, if their routine kind of stays um, similarly, kind of just like operating at, at um, kind of just like, uh, I don't want to say hamster wheel, but just kind of like going through the motions of making the best career and, and similar between the days as possible. I know many, many moms that I'm working with these days, um, it feels like Groundhog's Day. Same thing day after day after day. And every now and then you got to shake it up a little bit to get some kind of a reset. But, but the routine can really, really just enhance um, and improve our mental health as well as the mental health of our children. Right now, you know, while we're cooped up inside and the screens are so available, I think we all have to probably give ourselves permission to lower expectations of everybody who's in that house. You as parents, you as individuals, your spouses, your boyfriends, your girlfriends, and your children. Like, this is the first time anybody in this home, in this world right now, has experienced this level of significant change and loss. And so we are not going to be the best versions of ourselves right now. We are right. going to be more irritable with the people that we're sharing space with. We are, the tension is going to be a little bit greater. I mean, you know, often for, for some, we've lost our jobs. For others, we're both working and trying to figure out how to parent at the same time. Like life isn't operating at its normal, you know, and we're not getting those uh, voids filled in the ways that, that we can by running to the grocery store or meeting up for a happy hour, or having a guy's night. Like those things aren't readily accessible right now. And so all you have is your team here at home. <laughs> and, and emotions can run high because we're humans and we're social beings. And, and if we're not socializing with our people, then it can get quite depressing, right? And then all of a sudden our partner can become quite a villain, right? Because we're not getting our needs met in terms of all of these other avenues that just no longer are available to us. So it's really important to stay in touch with your friends. 
it's really important to make space virtually or over the phone with people who really fill your cup. It's okay that your spouse doesn't meet 100% of your needs. They were never supposed to. This is not easy, right? And so we have to kind of really lower expectations about just about everybody who's in that house right now and let anybody who does something nice surprise us. Absolutely. I know that one of the one of the better things I've seen come out of this pandemic is today I was going for a run with my wife and she was riding a bike. And as we're running down the road, there's people everywhere. Yeah. Like people are walking, people are like families are on their bikes riding in the community and people are just being outside more even just to, you know, get some fresh air and to mix things up, like you said, to find a new routine and their routine yeah. is going for a walk in the afternoon. Yeah. So I, when I would when I used to go run, I'd just be me. I would see cars flying by left and right. But now it was like, I think we saw maybe one car and everybody else was just walking. I mean, I turned down the street and there was just people just out trying to change up the norm of being stuck inside, just getting out there and doing stuff. And then also with the, with the, te- with the telecommunication, you know, having virtual happy hours, that is it's a great thing to have. You know, you can keep in touch with people who are, not able to be around you Mm -hmm. at the same time you're still having a sense of normalcy you're having okay we're we're just like we're having drinks we're just not at the same place we would be or you know what everybody's here who wouldn't be able to be here because now we called in somebody from tennessee we called in somebody you know from new york and there now we're all here and it's even better It's even better, isn't it? So certainly there have been some gains to the pandemic, right? And and we're allowed to say that, you know, there have been lots and gains and it's a joyous sight to be outside and to see families and, and life slow down a little bit and people who are enjoying this gorgeous weather that we have in Louisiana, right? I mean, I think of my friends up north and it snowed yesterday, you know, yeah. and I'm just like, you know, more power to the people who are surviving that, right? Like down here, we really, really do have such glorious weather right now. And and being outside and being in nature with people that you love can be so very therapeutic and, and comforting. And to not see those cars zoom by, right? To, for life to slow down a little bit. It's the simple things, Pat. It's the simple things that sometimes we just bypass in, in our normal lives, right? Because everybody's on the clock and we've got places to go and, and we operate to those strict, rigid routines, right? And, and right now is this opportunity. But you can't find that opportunity unless you get through the bad stuff first. Like you can't, you can't just think positively if we haven't yet validated the pains that have come along with the crisis. And so, you know, in in some regards, you know, it's not until we make some space for the obvious natural organic emotions that have come up in order to kind of like get to the other side of that mountain and to be able to see outside and find gratitude in the small things and call your friends up from across the country and, and have a happy hour and lift each other up in the ways that we did if we were in person. I mean, having a happy hour with people across the country, right? I mean, we wouldn't be doing that if we weren't in a pandemic right now. And there are certainly things that I hope we can bring into our normal when it gets back to normal that we've learned in the pandemic, right? Yeah, that's a big thing I saw today kind of stuck out to me was if we go back to, and they use air quotes, normal, 
mm-hmm. after this pandemic is over, I think we've missed the point of the change we put in place. Probably so. You know, we are meaning makers as humans. We, we want to know that there's a greater reason to why life has gone the way that it has. And I think there are some invaluable lessons that we're probably all learning here um, during this time right now, right? That, that we're kind of hoping, um, you know, linger on for, for quite a while. You know, returning back to normal will be a new normal and it's going to take some time. But maybe in the moments that, that we're sharing together collectively as, as, uh, as a country, certainly, but as a, as a world and in the, in the smallest of our interpersonal relationships, moments that we can kind of just bottle up and, and save for later, save for the next rainy day, right? What, what we remembered, what mattered during this time. Um, right, right there with you. I know it's, I, I, have, I have a friend who lives up in, right around the Nashville area. And the only time we would see each other was when we could see each other in person. And now that we've kind of been forced to do this, you know, remote lifestyle with people who I would normally see in person on the weekends, it's like, okay, let's try this out. And now we're having, you know, two or three conversations over the phone and FaceTime a week that it's become our new normal, just checking in and being able to be like, hey, this is a great tool. And then we're always asking the question, why didn't we do this before? You know, now it's kind of like we have, when we have to have these certain things in our lives, we find ways to make them happen. And then whenever we look back at the way it was, it's okay, we've always had this. What was stopping us from utilizing this tool that's always been there? Mm-hmm. You know, like for, I saw somebody that said Zoom three weeks ago was just another name, but now it's so heavily used in you know, school and work and business that people are asking, well, where was this tool? Why didn't we use this beforehand? Mm-hmm. And I think in times of a pandemic, it's we don't realize what we need. So we lose what we have and what we consider as luxuries. Mm-hmm. You're absolutely right in that. You're absolutely right. In moments where we need something, we finally think about it, right? Yes. Something. And, and so what you found in this reconnection and this closeness that has come along with this crisis is, is that ability to get a little bit more reconnected and, and, um, become closer, right? Through right. a need that always existed. And and hopefully this is something, you know, that the two of y'all can continue during that normal of return to Yeah, the normality, right. You know, we're, we're humans, we're social people. We have to lean on each other when, when stress is high. We have to lean in on each other even when stress is low, that you know, there's something about connection that really can um, keep our mental health at a, at a place that makes life much more doable and, and purposeful. Right. I'm right there with you. I want to kind of take a little bit of a shift of things and move to the, the business side of mm-hmm. your practice. Yeah. So how does, how does it work? How does your business work from an outsider's view end? Yeah, so my business works. Um, I have a phenomenal uh, practice management software called Simple Practice, um, which is basically um, an EHR system. It's HIPAA compliant. Um, I basically log in through a website, which um, I can connect my schedule with my online website. So when people go to schedule, 
it's all done through the simple practice software and it and it makes um, it makes it very, very simple um, to operate. And I, and I encourage any therapists who, who are watching um, to look into it. I am so grateful for what simple practice has provided in my practice amidst this crisis because teletherapy was already a part of it. And so unfortunately, a lot of us in mental health who don't have those kinds of updated systems and still use paper charts and um, phone calls to schedule and, um, you know, ha have taken a great hit, unfortunately, and have had to adjust themselves to fully operating electronically um, that, that I had kind of embarked on last year when I was starting my practice. I wanted... I wanted a program that was up to date and um, was constantly kind of reinventing itself to meet the needs of the time. And so I'm hopeful that Simple Practice soon enough will provide a platform for group therapy, which um, many other platforms do, however, are not HIPAA compliant. And so part of my practice is group therapy. Twice a month, I run maternal mental health groups, um, small intimate groups of women who come together to empower each other and I'm ready and, and anxious myself to get those started again because that was such a big source of support for, for many of the clients that I have. But basically, um, I, I have my practice through Simple Practice. And um, the way it works is usually I, I will get a new client from um, a word of mouth. I will get a new client from um, Postpartum Support International, which is um, an organization that allocates resources to women and their families who are struggling in that perinatal period. Um, I'll get referrals from OBGYNs and nurses, doulas, midwives, lactation consultants, physical therapists. Um, it's, it's pretty a dispersed um, area of, of referrals. And then um, I opened the practice uh, last July. So I'll be coming up on a year of being on my own independently. And so I share a lease with three other awesome providers and we all independently operate our businesses um, separate from one another, but but share the space, which is a really cool old house um, off of mm -hmm. Jefferson Highway. So it doesn't feel clinical. It doesn't feel sterile. It doesn't feel like you're going to a doctor's office. It feels like you're going to a spa in a way we have fiddle fig trees and diffusers and music playing um, in the waiting room and just kind of like a chance to turn life off for a second. Absolutely. I think that's finding your niche when you're in a generalized field to kind of give you that push to go out and venture on your own. Because mm -hmm. you know, like you said, you were in a general office that mm -hmm. after you started figuring out, hey, I'm kind of liking this this trend of where the niche is going. I'm liking where the customers are coming in. I'm mm -hmm. liking the ability to have the support and the system that I can with these patients. So let's try and find this niche and go into that market. I know a lot of people, you know, any field that you're in, you can find a certain niche that would be tailored to your certain clientele, your certain patients. You know, and go ahead. I'll, I'll go for it. I was just going to say, you know, in our profession and in our field, it's, it's a difficult situation that we have to 
be very considerate of as providers. Like if you have a niche and and you get very specialty trained in that and and you have um, referrals that don't necessarily fit that work that you do, um, you know, it's it's our ethical uh, decision that we have to refer people to the hands of the providers that will be a better fit. And so, you know, when we're first out of school and we're running that general practice, that's really a great chance to develop what your niche might become. And so I just really took that opportunity at that time. Um, and, and I remember telling my husband, like when I really started to do this work, I was like, I just can't believe there's not like already a hospital facility that does this exact thing. And in our country, there are so many of them. And so I've gotten to be fortunate enough to travel to one recently in Pennsylvania and to be trained by um, one of the leading experts in perinatal mental health and was so excited to bring that back um, to South Louisiana and to our community. And so um, finding your niche, no matter what profession you're in, is such a gain when it comes to what to get, you know, really, really skilled at and, and be a resource to others in the community who want to do that same thing. Exactly. It's finding, you know, going back to that conversation we had about being self-aware about, you know, what your strengths are, what your weaknesses are. If you are in a general field and you say, hey, I'm really great at this specific task that they had me do on a general sense, mm -hmm. then that might be your time to look into, hey, why don't I just develop this even further, look into this more, and then find a place that you can make it fit and then go for it. Mm -hmm. It definitely can feel risky, right? It can definitely yes. feel risky. And, and many, you know, fortunately for me, I, I had the luxury of getting to, you know, find something that I love. So, so I'm grateful for the support that I have. And I know not everybody has that same opportunity, right? And so it might be an even greater risk for, for somebody who meets, who meets a different you know, background than I do when it comes to what that support looks like. And so, you know, it is a risk regardless. It's different levels of risk for, for everybody, but I guess you'll never know unless you try, you know, and, and to make that leap in, in private practice. Um, for me, it was right at that time. And, um, and I know that, you know, my clients, um, are in good hands and, and I care a lot about them when, when we start working together. And so um, it, it was my time, it was my time. And it, and it still is, you know, not, not every day. I mean, I'm not, I'm just not in total admiration for the human spirit and the resiliency and the stories that people have continued to survive in their life. And, and a lot comes up during this time of becoming parents and what that looks like for a lot of people. And so, you know, it makes complete sense that people suffer during a time when, when they're wanting something that may not go the way that they had hoped and dreamed it would. And so to kind of just make space for, for those women and, and for their families um, is extremely rewarding work. Um, and, and unfortunately, is, is a, if, if mental health, you know, continues to have a stigma, postpartum issues, continue to have an even greater stigma. Like that is like the most stigmatized um, of, of mental health issues very, very often. But when, when you have the knowledge and you have the background of, of how to understand what those issues are, you know, and, and to be human to that woman who's in distress, 
then you know there, there's some real magic that can happen in, in their lives and you know prolong the development of their families and so you know I, I really really enjoy the work I think it's extremely important in, in our family development and if we can kind of start life off in a way where we can pick up some really great coping skills those those skills can last for quite a while so I find that it's really rewarding and I'm happy to do it and provide it. That's great. Finding that not only a niche, but really a job that you can enjoy. Mm-hmm. You want to help people on what you're doing mm-hmm. is an amazing thing whenever you're able to find it. Mm-hmm. So kind of getting towards the end of the show, we've got a couple more questions left. Mm-hmm. Um, the first one is what is, you know, why Bad Rouge? What made you want to stay here in Bad Rouge or move here? Yeah. Um, so I moved here probably, so my son is nine and I moved here when he was an infant. So I've been here for a while. My family's here. Um, my husband I met here. Um, he works here. Baton Rouge is home. My, my parents um, met at LSU themselves, um, but we've lived everywhere. Um, you know, so many other places in, in our upbringing. And so to be eventually back in this place where, where they um, had met for their first time is, is kind of nostalgic in and of itself. And so, um, you know, we would be um, in the Midwest walking t- to school in, in snow boots from where our parents dropped us off carrying king cakes to schools that knew nothing about Marty. You know, and, and my mom would be making jambalaya for Easter and, and nobody knew what that was. So there was always kind of like that Louisiana spirit, no matter where we lived. And we've lived so many different places. And so Louisiana was always just kind of like this this special place or, or this place that I knew nothing about not being raised here. But um, now that I'm here, this is home, you know, and this is where I'm raising my family. And, and there's truly nothing like the culture here. And so... Um, so it's good people, it's good food, it's good weather, and there's just something about the spirit um, of Baton Rouge that makes it a really fun place to raise a family. Amen to all that. Yeah. Um, so with all the great things being said, obviously there's always room for improvement. What are you know, one or two things that you would do if had the ability to change within Baton Rouge? I'm sorry, it broke up a little bit. Did you say things that I would change in Baton Rouge? Yes, two things you could change if you had the ability to do so. Yeah, um, two things that I would change in Baton Rouge would probably be better access to mental health care. Um, we're, like I said, we're behind in Louisiana um, anyway, but there's just such a dire need um, for these services in, in our community, and I'm not sure how to get there and what that would look like. But I, I would imagine just, you know, a collective group of us doing what we're supposed to do and in the ways that we've learned to help people um, can be a part of that. Um, and then the other thing I would say is, you know, this is 2020. Like, let's just let one another be human, right? Something about being in the South and having super high expectations of each other is, is part of that culture, right? And and that can do a lot of damage. Like, you know, when, especially it, when I'm elbows deep and, and women feeling a whole lot of shame from 
um, in-laws who are who are judging them for not bouncing back right away after the delivery of a child who kind of operate from more of like that older school um, southern hospitality um, you know the bless your heart kind of thing um, which is really kind of like a shame a shameful thing to say <laughs> just kind of like permission to let go of maybe some of those old ways and um treat treat each other with um with some realness i hope i don't get in trouble for saying any of that i don't i don't i don't, I don't think you will i think it's <laughs> it's it all, it all makes sense and all, i got it all I, I, I was able to see it like yep you're right that's yep. you're 100 right there yeah okay so what is something that i can do to help you achieve a goal you have um what what is something that you could do like personally well, however oh. the, the question is what can i do to help in whatever realm it may be you're already doing such great things to help so many people and you know i feel pretty content with where i'm at and and what we have going on um nick and i work very hard you know in in our lives to provide um for so many people that we work with and so you know i'm good i'm good i've got these personal goals that that i'm going to be starting I'm, I'm starting a doctorate you know in the fall and and i've got a lot of time to complete that and to do research on something that i love and will benefit people in the long run and so you just keep doing you pat and you run these podcasts and and hopefully no doubt you know as people listen to them they're being inspired in, in ways you know what works for one person doesn't work for the next so it's a great thing that you have going on getting a bunch of different professions involved in in your business podcast but really just your human podcast you know and and sharing and sharing those perspectives with with all of your listeners. That's enough. Well, thank you for that. I'll I will I will keep persevering and keep pushing. Yes. Okay. And so, for people wanting to get in touch with you, or people wanting to learn more, maybe about mental health as a whole, yes. what are some tools, or what are some ways for them to do that? If you yes. want to go ahead and give the that eight hundred number you mentioned at the beginning, yes, I'll go ahead and put that in the comments now. Number. So, if if there's anybody who's listening right now, um, and is in need of, and like I said, you're probably already in need if you're asking yourself when is the right time. Um, somebody needs to reach out. Um, there is a keep calm during COVID-19 phone line. Um, talk confidentially to trained counselors 24-7 to help you cope with stress and anxiety, which sometimes removes the barrier of having to move, you know, into that um, in-person anxious place of here we go, you know, that if, if it's over the phone, you might feel a little bit more inclined to to make that happen. And so the number is 1-866-310-7977. So again, 866-310-7977. So that's the Louisiana um, line for mental health during COVID right now. And then for others who want a little bit more of um, an in-close um, across the computer right now, um, therapeutic relationship, because that's basically what it is. Like we will teach skills and, and ways to cope, but when it comes down to it, it's a trusting space and it's a relationship with the therapist that you're working with and, and you to make a team. Um, there's a website called psychologytoday.com 
which is a really, really awesome way of bringing people um, to therapists. And so many of us private practitioners have individual profiles um, that you can filter by zip code, by insurance provider, by cost of services, by specialties of services. And so you can just go to psychologytoday.com and type in your zip code and it will pull providers that are ready, um, accessible, and you can send them an email, you can call them, hopefully they'll get back in touch and you can start that process. But what I love about that website is that you can read through the profiles to determine who might be a good fit for you before you even start that process blindly. And then as far as um, just getting in touch with me, I have a website, um, I have a Facebook page, I have an Instagram, I'm constantly posting things that I think are of value to share um, to ease the heaviness of the stress and, and the grief and the anxiety right now. Um, so you can type in my name um, and all of those things would pull right up. Perfect, well, we're gonna link I've already put the phone number in the comments. I've already put the Psychology Today website in the comments as well. And so we're going to link up all of your pages and everything in the show notes to make it super simple and easy for everybody to get in touch with you and also to check out maybe some other therapists for some other needs they might have. Because like you said, if they're asking a question, you're already ready. Yeah, we'll be ready, you know, and, and we have a good community of, of therapists in town who, if you're talking about something and there's somebody better that might make a good fit for whatever those issues are, like, we'll be honest and upfront and, and let you know, you know, thank you for reaching out. I might not be that person, but I think you need to talk to this person. And and, and I think we have a, a good community that, that does that and, and supports one another in those ways. That's great. Well, thank you for coming on the show, uh, Samantha. I really appreciate that. Thanks for having me, Pat. It's Absolutely. Finally. We, we've been trying to make this happen for a while. Yes. Yes. This. <laughs> I admit it took a crisis to make some of these shows happen, but you know what? I'm not complaining. It's one of those good things that you got to find amid darkness, right? Yes. Yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. But anything that you work hard for is always worth it in the end. Absolutely. Amen to that. So for everybody watching or listening, you've been listening to the latest rendition of the Patty G Show. I'm your host, Patty G. Sign off with Samantha Robert here at Virtual Louisiana. Y'all have a good night.